I grew up being a hostage to anger. When I was little, I remember throwing things in my room. I remember throwing rocks at buildings. I actually remember running away from home for hours on end because I was angry at my parents. And one particular time, I remember my older sister, Lisa, took a little bit too much time uh, in the bathroom. And so I got mad about that, and I kicked the door and put a big hole in the bottom of the door. Now, the problem was, is that we didn't own the house. The church did. And my dad was a PK, or I'm a PK. My dad's a pastor. And so he had to go out and get metal plates and put it all over the doors to make it all look the same. And so my anger cost not me money, but it cost my family money. And anger has a way of doing that. When I was in high school, I remember getting into tuffles or to fights on uh, the basketball court or uh, after we had left the court. And there was so much of my life growing up in the first 20 or so years in which I had become a hostage to anger. But once I got married, I thought to myself that anger would just kind of vanish I mean, I fell in love with this beautiful woman named Jennifer Terry, and life was going to be great, and now we would be husband and wife, and I would not be angry anymore. Guess what? I was wrong. I was dead wrong. And finally, a moment came in our marriage very early on where I realized that I had become a hostage to anger and that something had to change. I needed the power of God, the power of His Spirit working in me to change something. A year after we had started the jar in in our homes, uh, no one home could have everyone in it, and so we moved to the downtown YMCA. And when we moved there, We had about 25 people, but within a matter of months, we actually went down to eight. Eight people. And I felt like a failure. I looked like a failure. And I walked like a failure. And pretty soon that sense of failing became so great that it turned itself into great pain for me. And then into anger. And then one day it turned into great rage. It was the first Valentine's Day dinner that the jar had ever put on. There were only four couples uh, that went to it. And my wife Jennifer and I were getting ready when she said something from the shower. And for some reason it got me very, very angry. I can't remember what it was. But I remember running into the shower and I grabbed the shower uh, curtains and I threw them down. And then I hit my hand through a wall, putting my hand through the wall. It was in that moment that I realized I was out of control. And my hand immediately started to bleed. It started to swell up and bruise. And the thing that stinks about being a pastor is that sometimes, and maybe you know this as well, in your own life, you've got to put on a face even when you're not feeling that way at all. And so I remember going to the dinner and I was so embarrassed and I was so ashamed that someone would see what had happened to me that I put my hand underneath the table the entire time. 
And then after we were done, I had to go to the hospital and get a x-ray and it was embarrassing to do that. My wife, who was a resident physician at that time, had all of her coworkers, people that she had worked with, had to see this as well. And luckily my, my hand wasn't broken and Jennifer forgave me, but I realized in that moment that I was a hostage to anger, that it had consumed my life. And at the age of 32, I made a commitment that I needed the Spirit of God to change this in me. And I went and got some counseling. I took anger management classes as a pastor of this new church. And all of a sudden, I was finally able to no longer be captive to anger. Now, do I still get angry? Absolutely. You just ask my wife or my kids, there's sometimes that I lose it, but the reality is it doesn't turn into rage. And the reason is, is because I've committed myself to this scripture. It reads this, in your anger, do not, what's the last word? Sin. Don't sin. Folks, all of us are going to get angry at times. It's a human emotion. But when we become angry, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to sin. And we have to be very, very careful with the human emotion of anger because it's very easy for you and I to take that emotion and then it lead to sin. Now the scripture goes on to say, in your anger, do not sin. And then it goes on to say, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, before your head hits a pillow, you should not be angry at anyone else. But the question is, why? Why should we do that? Well, if you go to bed angry at someone else, something else can actually happen. Scripture says this, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a what? What's it say? A foothold. Now, what's interesting is that word foothold is in the Greek, uh, which is the language of the New Testament. It actually means to give room to. In other words, don't give the devil a room. Don't give the devil a guest room in your house. Don't give the devil the right of way to walk through your front door. Don't give your heart to the evil one by allowing your anger to consume you. So let me ask you this morning, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever given a foothold to the devil when it comes to your anger? How many of you have ever gone to bed angry at someone else? Folks, the reality is we all get angry. But for some of you who are sitting there right now, and for some of you that are on the stream right now, the reality is is that you have become consumed. You have become controlled. You have allowed anger to become your master. But the good news that I bring to you today is that if you will turn to God, God can help you with your anger. 
And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. This is your first fill-in. You can do it on the uh, app or write it down. And it is, God wants to help you master your anger before your, your anger masters you. God wants to help you master your anger before your anger masters you. Now, if we're going to master our anger, the first thing that we have to realize is what are some of the wrong ways to handle our anger? What are some ways that are not healthy in dealing with our anger? And typically, there are two types of personalities when it comes to anger. The first group of people are what I'll call spewers. And what spewers do is they express their anger. They have no problem whatsoever just letting their anger ride. If you're a spewer, you have a short fuse and you have a hot temper and everybody else around you knows it. You might think you're hiding it, but you're not. Everyone knows when you walk into a room whether or not you're angry. Now, to be real honest, how many of you would honestly say before God that you tend to be a spewer? Just raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. No, raise your hand. Don't point at people. <laughs> I see some of you. Yeah, don't point at somebody. Well, as a recovering spewer myself, this is what Scripture says. If you're a spewer... You're a fool. Now, some of you are like, I'm not coming back to this church again. He just called me a fool. Now, I didn't call you a fool. That's what scripture says. Proverbs 29, 11 says this. Fools do what? What's it say? They vent their anger. In other words, they spew it out. But what do the wise do? The wise quietly what? Hold it back. They hold it back. Now, some of you might say, well, Chris, I'm telling you, once I blow up, I'm just fine. Well, you might be fine, but you wound all the people around you when you do that. If you're a spewer, it's foolish to give full vent to your anger. Proverbs 14, 17 says this, a quick-tempered person does what? Foolish things. They do foolish things. Now, as a recovering spewer, I've made a lot of progress in this area in my life. But years ago, I had a very, very quick temper. Uh, one time, Jennifer uh, went off to work uh, and she said, hey, uh, I'm going to be gone uh, this weekend because there's a conference I have to go to. And I said, okay, let's plan it all out. And so we planned it all out. Our kids were very, very little. And she said, now you're responsible for the kids. So, okay, no problem. And in my mind, I'm like, I can do breakfast. That's cereal. Uh, I can do lunch. That's peanut butter and jelly. Or my daughter who's allergic to peanut butter and jelly, that's a ham sandwich. So I can do that. But dinner was going to be difficult. So I put all of my energy and time together to try to figure out how I would do it. And this is what I came up with. Porta Vallarta. 
I mean, when you go to Puerto Vallarta, you got the chips, you got everything you need. You don't have to worry about it. That's how you cook for children. You go to Porta. And so that's what my plan was. And we walked into this restaurant. We go to uh, our booth, and there was some college students who were uh, beside us, and they had some beverages that they were drinking, and the F-bombs were just going everywhere, just flying all over the place. And at first I thought, just let it go. Don't do a big thing. Just, just let it go, Chris. And they just kept going more and more and more. And here are my two little girls, uh, you know, six and four at that time. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, that's it. And so I get up, I walk around and I get to their table and I said, would you please stop using language like that? I have two little children that are here and I don't want them to hear that language. And so I turned around, I walked back, I sat back down, and then one of the college students said this, well, if he doesn't blankety-blank the way that I'm talking, then he can take his kids and he can get out of there. Now, the wise thing would have been... (laughs) to just let it go. Let it go. My girls at that time, they were all about, let it go, let it go. And Dad could not let it go. And so I get up, I walk around, I go right to him and I said, hey, if you can't stop your language, maybe I can and we can go to the parking lot right now. I was dead serious. And the guy got like kind of squirrely and he's like, oh man, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll stop. Now what he didn't know was I wasn't as tough as I actually am. <laughs> I just had a big mouth. Now... We ate our dinner, they stopped cussing, but later on, I thought to myself, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. What if he would have actually said, okay, let's go? (laughs) Like, what would I have done? Taking my cell phone and giving it to my six-year-old? Hey, if I'm not back from the parking lot in 15 minutes, call 911, just don't call your mom. (laughs) Because that's really who I'm, you know, afraid of. Now, I laugh about that today, but the reality is, folks, that spewing, giving your full vent of anger is foolish. It's absolutely foolish, and it's not a laughing matter. And let me say right now to some of you, either if you're on the stream or here in this building, your anger is a problem. Your anger is a problem. And it's consuming you, and it's controlling you, and it's mastering you, and it's actually taking collateral damage to the people around you, and you need to change. You need to do whatever you can to master your anger. Only a fool would keep on being angry and doing something like that rather than turning to the power and control of God. Now, let me give you some practical things to try to help you out, kind of rapid-fire style. You can write them down. They're not in your notes. But if you're a spewer, here's a few things that you can do. This is what I learned from my anger management class. The first one is take 10 slow, deep breaths. When you get angry and you're getting ready to do something, all of a sudden just go... 10 of them. Now, the problem is with spewers, this is what they want to do. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You blankety blank, blank, blank. No, 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 no. It's not how fast you can count to 10, folks. It's 10 slow, deep breaths. Second thing, leave 
leave the room if necessary. Leave the room if necessary. If you get angry and you're about ready to lose it and you're just like, I've had it, just leave the room. The problem with spewers is they always want to win. They want to win. They tend to be more aggressive with their anger. And the key would be just leave the room. Just walk away. Last thing. If you do spew, make it right and ask for forgiveness. If you say something that is mean and kind of in your anger, it causes you to sin, ask for forgiveness. Do it as quickly to the point as you can. And each time that you do that with sinful anger, you make it right. The relationship gets resolved. So, There are spewers, and then there is another group of people that I want to talk about and that handle it the wrong way, and that is stuffers. Stuffers. Stuffers are individuals who tend to suppress their anger. They suppress it. Stuffers suppress their anger. Now, in a moment of honesty again, how many of you would say you're a stuffer? Go ahead, raise your hand. Look, the stuffers are so much more honest, you know? Spewers are kind of like, eh, I don't know. Stuffers are like, nope, that's me, that's me. Uh, now, David, the greatest king of the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, was a stuffer. And Psalm 32, 3 says this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. In other words, folks, he stuffed it. He bottled it on the inside like so many of you tend to do. I mean, when stuffers get upset, instead of talking about it, they hold it in. They suppress it. Now, on the outside, the thing is, is that stuffers look very self-controlled. Everything's fine. You can see I'm not yelling right now. But on the inside, just below the surface, there's this boiling up. And stuffers tend to do what I call the silent treat. They have a tendency just to go so deep that they keep it to themselves. Now, my wife, Jennifer, is a recovering stuffer. For those of you who are married, have you ever noticed that stuffers tend to marry spewers? And uh, it doesn't happen that all the time, but many times it does. And so for the longest time, Jen was not able to kind of uh, handle her anger and she would just stuff it down. And I'll never forget, we were at the Y, and we were doing two celebrations, and she had worked the night before. She was on call the entire night. And she uh, she left from there, and she came straight to work. So those of you that are like, oh, I work nights, I I work third shifts, my wife did that for five years. She came to church every single morning. So if my wife can do it, you men, you can do it too. And so she went, by the way, that was free. I was just trying to get that, my anger. You know, I didn't want it to, didn't want it to get out of control. So that's it. So she does that, and she's sitting down in the front trying to stay awake. And, uh, you know, church is done. And I go up, and I said, hey, babe, I was so excited to see her. I was like, hey, baby, how are you doing? And this is what she did. I'm fine. Now, have you ever had like an I'm fine, but you kind of, when you translate it, it's really not I'm fine. Like there's an issue that's there. You just haven't figured out what that issue is. 
And so I thought, well, she's probably tired. She's probably exhausted. So uh, I'll just let the second celebration come. And then we were going to go out to eat. And so we let that go. We go out to eat. And she is self-controlled. She is withdrawn. She's given the silent treat. And the kids are there, and they're all over the place, and she's handling the kids, but I am over there, you know, by myself on an island. And I'm like, hey, it doesn't seem like you're very fine. And so I throw in a couple of jokes. She laughs, and I think we're good. We go home. We put the kids to bed uh, for a little nap back in the nap days, and we're done with that. And then all of a sudden, she comes out, and again, just silent treatment. I'm like, hey, you said you were fine. I don't know if you know, but fine means like you're fine. And it doesn't seem like you're fine. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh. She goes, I was so upset that you didn't have all of the house cleaned. You only had the kitchen cleaned. And I said, well, I did have to like get ready this morning. I was trying to get the kids and da, da, da. And she's like, yeah, I know. And she said, I just stuffed it this entire time. And I'm sorry. And that's the way I responded. I know it wasn't the right thing to do. And I'll tell you what, my wife has grown a lot in this area of stuffing. What used to take, you know, uh, uh, hours, maybe even days, now just takes minutes, many times. And she realized, like, hey, I'm stuffing, and I'm going to work through that. So for those of you that are stuffers, let me give you some practical kind of examples of what you can do. First of all, recognize your anger and name it. It's okay, stuffers, to be angry. Actually recognize it and name it. Remember, anger is a normal emotion. It happens to us. You can do that. Bring your anger to the light and actually call what it is. Because this is what stuffers tend to do. If you don't get your anger out, guess what you do? You start to resent other people. You get bitter towards other people. And you keep it all to yourself in your little bitter world because you stuffed it. Share your frustration. A second thing that I'd encourage stuffers to do is journal about your anger. Uh, before you go to bed at night, just ask the question, was there anything in this day that made me angry? And stuffers tend to be really good people that can write their thoughts out, and so write it down. This made me angry at work. This made me angry here. If it's with one of your kids or your spouse, try to make that thing right before you go to bed. It doesn't have to take long, just two or three minutes, where you write it down, whatever it is that you're angry at. And then a third suggestion is just speak the truth. That if something's going on, Scripture says, speak the truth in love. Make sure that it's love, but it's not unloving to speak truth. Speaking truth is important. Now, stuffers many times will sound very loving, but underneath the surface, there's like this water that's boiling up. So stuffers, the growing edge for you is to actually use your voice to say why you are angry without disguising what the truth actually is. And if you're married to a stuffer or you have a friend who is a stuffer, this is one of the things that Jennifer and I've learned uh, with stuffing is that sometimes after the person is stuffed and you think that because you're a spewer, it's all out there, it many times isn't. And so with the stuffer, you need to ask this question, is there anything else? And there have been so many times in which Jennifer will be upset and she's sharing her anger. And then we get to the end and and I'll say that, is there anything else? She's like, oh, well, yeah, actually there was. And then she'll name whatever uh, that particular thing is. Just don't suppress it. 
So if we kind of understand what the ways that are not healthy to handle our anger, spewing or stuffing, then the question becomes, how do we actually deal with our anger then? How do we go about doing that? And the truth is, the way that we do that is depending on what the anger is. For uh, example, if it is a sinful anger, you put it out. If it's a sinful anger, you put it out. You identify whether or not it's spewing or stuffing, and then you ask the Spirit of God to give you the strength to put it out. Proverbs 17, 14 says this, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So what do we do? Let's say these next three underlined words together. What do we do? We drop the matter. We drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. I was kind of thinking of it this week, and for some of you, you might want to try it. When you're getting angry and you feel sinful and you're going, you drop it. And you let it go. You drop it and you let it go. You drop it and you let it go. Let's all practice this together. One, two, three. Okay, use your hand. Drop it and let it go. One more time. You drop it and let it go. Now, some of you are going to say, but Chris, I can't do that. You just don't understand. I just can't do that. I'm not wired that way. When I get angry and I get really upset about something, it's just like, poo, and I just blow up. Now, if you're thinking that right now, what I want you to know is you are deceiving yourself. Because I believe that with God's power, and I'm a witness to it, that you can control, you can actually master your anger, and I'll prove it to you. How many of you have ever had this experience before? You're in your home or you're in an argument with somebody else and you're like, I am sick and tired of you doing this. Blankety blank, 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 blank. And then the phone rings. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. And all of a sudden you pick up the phone. You're like, oh, hey, girlfriend, how you doing? Oh, I have been praying for you. Oh, did those prayers get answered? I am so glad to hear that. Oh, praise the Lord. You want me to pray for that? Absolutely. When are we going to get together? Oh, that day? Okay, I'm going to write that down. Bye-bye. Now, where was I? I said, blankety, blank, blank. You know, yeah. Sounds like some of you have been there before, right? And... How can we do that? Because you choose how you're going to respond. You choose what your response is. You bring yourself under control. I did a little exercise for myself this week. I wanted to figure out how many times could I be angry, but I could control it. And uh, it was 26 times in the past week where I could have gotten angry at something, and normally I probably would have, but I didn't. Now, 26 times. It was a good week, people, okay? It was a good week. And I just chose not to get angry over things that really didn't matter. Okay, so you're in the car, you have to get the kids ready, and they're taking their time. They're not in the car yet, and you're getting mad, and you're getting angry. You're like, ugh, drop it. Remember the second part? Let it go. Hey, if they're late, not my fault. I'm in the car. Drop it. Let it go. So somebody didn't put the food away or they didn't put their clothes away or they didn't do something that just gets you so frustrated. You have a home. You can help them out. You have food. 
Drop it. Somebody at work gets under your skin and you're so frustrated with them. Drop it. Let it go. Folks, uh, those are the things that you can do when there is sinful anger. You can put it away. But how do we grow in this area? Well, Jesus' brother James told us how to do it. He said this, Everyone should be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. Is that what he said? Oh, that's the Chris Bunch translation right there, right? No, no, no. This is what James actually said. He said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And for years, I've tried to teach this as a dance. And it's like this. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. I'm quick to listen, I'm slow to speak, and I'm slow to get angry. To perfect this dance this week in your head, you need to know quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. Now, when it's sinful anger, we put it out. There is a second kind of thing that we need to do with anger too. If it's a sanctified anger, in other words, if it is a holy anger, if it is a righteous anger, if it is a God-like anger, we need to fan the flame. If it's something that God actually would get angry at, then we should get angry too, and we should fan the flame. Now, there are several times in Scripture in which Jesus actually got angry. He got mad. He got ticked off because what he saw was injustice. And he gets angry about these things. Now, there's multiple places, but the one that I'm going to talk about uh, as we wrap up today is one that's found in Mark. And the scripture tells us that one day uh, Jesus was in the temple. It was on the Sabbath, and a man comes with a withered hand. And he comes to Jesus and everybody is looking at him, all the religious leaders, all the Pharisees, to see whether or not he's going to do something on the Sabbath. Because that was a no-no. You did not heal people on the Sabbath. Now Jesus knows their thoughts and he asks them, what is more lawful, to do something good or do something bad on the Sabbath, to heal or not to heal? But nobody answered him. So Jesus actually gets angry about this. He couldn't believe that their stubborn hearts were more concerned about the law than they were the person. And the scripture says this, Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed as they're stubborn at their stubborn hearts. Here, Jesus is mad. He's ticked off. He's angry. And if you and I were Jesus, we might have lost it in that moment. However, Jesus doesn't do this. He says to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Instead of allowing his anger to cause him to sin, his anger caused him to do something that was righteous. So, Some of you should get angry about some things. And you should get angry about the things that God is angry about. 
So if you're struggling in your marriage right now, you should get angry. Not at your spouse, but get angry at the evil one and tell him, you do not have a guest room in here. I'm going to learn to master my anger and to see you heal my marriage. For others of you, maybe you're angry at the poverty that you see in our community. And rather than just getting mad and and saying something, do something about it. Be a part of the community basket. Be a part of uh, another outreach where we care for people in our community. Let your anger do something. Maybe for others of you, there's a person in your life who's making really poor choices right now. And maybe what you could do is actually say, you know what? I'm not going to go off on them. I'm actually going to start praying that the evil one would release from them and that there would be this healing that would come and I'll show them God's love in practical ways. Folks, when it's sinful anger, we need to put it out. When it's sanctified anger, we want to fan the flame. And remember that in all of this, rather than spewing or rather than stuffing it out, that we'll choose to drop it and let it go. When the anger causes us to do something sinful, we'll do what Jesus did. We'll be angry at the things that are angry for the heart of God. But those things that aren't, we will drop it and we will let it go. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your presence that has been here today. Thank you for reminding us that You don't want us to allow our anger to cause us to sin and to go off the rails. And right now, maybe in a moment of honesty, just between you and God, not looking around, you would say in your mind, you know what, if I was honest, I've been consumed by my anger. I've been yelling at my spouse. I've been yelling at friends. I've been yelling at my kids. When I go to work, I tend to go off and yell there as well. And so today, if you've been controlled, if you've been consumed, if you have been allowing your anger to master you, but you're like, I want to change, Chris. I want God's help. I, I need his help to change my life. Like you, Chris, it sounds like there was a moment where you just were like, enough is enough. I want to change this in my life. If that's you, in a very bold way, With every eye closed, no one looking around, if you just raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to change. God, I need your help. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each hand that is raised right now. Give them the power to overcome their anger. Help them not to spew or stuff their anger, but to know how to release it to you. Help them to know how to put off sinful anger and to put on righteous, sanctified anger. And let them know, God, that in their anger that they can choose not to sin and they can choose to respond in a way that honors you. And I pray that you would do that for these individuals today and on the stream as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe for others of you today, you're not just dealing with anger, but the truth is there's all kinds of other stuff that's going on in your life too. And it just feels like it's kind of spinning out of control. And anger is just a manifestation of the fact that there's 
missing in your life. That you've been trying to do things your way for a very long time and it's not working. And the collateral damage is around and you feel all alone. And maybe today is the day where you'd say, today's the day I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. All of my anger, all of my discouragement, everything. And I'm saying, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I really want to change. And so if that's your day today, a day where you'd say, I'm giving it all. I'm surrendering everything to you. Then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. But it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together. Because Jesus loves you so much. And regardless of how much you have messed up, screwed up in this thing called life, that he will come and he will meet you where you're at. And he took, and 2,000 years ago, he took on all of your sin on a cross and he died. And three days later, he rose again so you wouldn't have to carry it anymore. And so today, if you're ready to say, I'm giving it all to you, God, I'm sorry, and I want to change, I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me, if you feel comfortable doing so. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.